Today, uh, I want to talk to you about why Easter is a big deal. How many of you know that Easter is a big deal? Specifically, I want to talk about why Easter is a big deal for you. Like personally, how does it affect you? Why is it such a big deal? You know, all over the world, this week, churches have been preparing and going through a lot of preparations for today, for the celebration of Easter, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And, and I've, I've noticed advertisements and invitations and all kinds of things that are going on as churches promote their Easter events. And I think that's a good thing. In fact, yesterday, my wife and I were at Sam's. And as I was standing there, I had a cart with me and I, I stopped. I was trying to decide which direction I needed to go. And I saw a little boy out of the corner of my eye, probably about five years old, walking my direction. At first, I thought he's going to walk past me. Then I realized he's walking right toward me. So I turned to him, and from several feet away, he's walking with something in his hand like this. So he, you know, he came from quite a ways away walking toward me like this. So I stopped, and I got it. It was an oversized postcard, and what it was was an invitation to his church's Easter celebration. So I thought, oh, that's neat. You know, he didn't say a word. He just walked up and gave it to me, and I, and I got it. His, his mom was around, but she didn't see what he was doing. And he had a whole stack of, in his other hand, a whole stack of these uh, large invitations. And so he gave it to me, and I took it, and I said, well, thank you. And he didn't say anything. He just turned, and he, he walked away. And, uh, and I thought, well, that's neat, because I, I know that there, there are a lot of preparations going on. And, and uh, in fact, I, I said a prayer for that church. And even yesterday, as we uh, drove around, my wife and I running errands, and I'd go by a church. I would pray for that church, pray for their services, pray for their their pastor, because I know this is a big deal. Today is a big deal. Somebody said that Easter for for churches, Easter is like the Super Bowl, the Super Bowl of churches, and uh, in, in 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 terms of how big of a deal it is. Then you might think, well, well, that that's great. It, it's great for churches. I understand why it's a big deal for churches. But what about me personally? Why is Easter? A big deal for me personally. Well, I'm glad you asked. And I'm going to answer that question today. And, and I just want to say initially here that Easter is a big deal because Easter changes everything. Easter changes everything. Everything about your life. Everything about your past, about your present, about your future can be changed because of Easter, because Jesus rose from the dead. Easter is a life changer. Several uh, years ago, really, I, I read this, that uh, in 1992, the South Carolina Health and Human, Human Services sent a letter to a resident of, of Greenville County, South Carolina. And the letter said, in part, the letter said this, your food stamps will be stopped effective March 1992 because we received notice that you passed away. You may reapply if your circumstances change. Actual letter, you know, the government. <sighs> we love the government. But, um, well, guess what? Guess what? 2,000 years ago, Jesus died a cruel death on a cross, and then he came back to life. I mean, he was as dead as could be, but... Circumstances change. You know, we, we think when somebody's dead, they're dead. And people thought Jesus is dead, he's dead. But circumstances changed. And he came back to life. And when he did, everything changed. Not just for himself, but for all of us. And that's why Easter is such a big deal. In fact, 
This is such a big deal and this is such a big day that we think it's a great day to become a follower of Jesus, to become a Christian. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I'm going to give you a heads up. If you've never made a decision to follow Jesus after the sermon, I'm going to give you an opportunity to make that decision, to make a decision to follow Jesus uh, full time, wholeheartedly. And the reason I think this is such a great opportunity and a great day to do this is because you'll always remember the day that you turned your life over to Jesus or the day that you came back to Jesus. You'll always remember it because it's, it's going to be Easter of 2017. So I'm going to do that after the sermon. But first, I want to tell you a story to, just to help us understand why Easter is such a big deal for all of us. And this is not the resurrection story, but it's tied to the resurrection story. And it's a consequence of the resurrection. And it's something that happened that same day. So I'm going to read from Luke 24. If you have your Bibles, you can follow along with me or you can just listen as I read this. Luke 24, beginning with verse 13. Luke 24, 13 reads like this. That same day, two of Jesus' followers, two of his disciples, were walking to the village of Emmaus. Seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. As they talked, and by the way, they were talking about Jesus being killed um, on the cross and everything that had happened prior to this day. So as they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognizing him. Well, already this is a great setup for What's going to happen later in the story? Because there's a lot of emotion in the air, mainly sadness and confusion among these two followers of Jesus because Jesus is dead. And, and so they're walking, they're talking about what just happened. It's, it's heavy on their hearts. And, and it's just, you know, it, it's something that they're thinking about and they're trying to wrap their minds around it, trying to process. You know how when something tragic happens, we struggle to process when somebody dies, suddenly, I, I can't believe he's gone. I can't believe she's gone. It's just, it's just natural. And so maybe they were in that stage still. And so they're talking about these things. And suddenly, Jesus just shows up. And he just joins them. They're walking along and they're like, oh, there's Jesus. So something big is about to happen. A lot of emotion. And then Jesus shows up. So verse 17, he asked them, Jesus asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stopped short, sadness written across their faces. Then one of them, Cleopas, replied, You must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened there the last few days. What things, Jesus asked? The things that happened to Jesus, a man from Nazareth, they said. He was a prophet who did powerful miracles and he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and of all the people. But our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and they crucified him. We had hoped, notice those words, we had hoped he was a Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago. Then some women from our group of his followers were at his tomb early this morning and they came back with an amazing report. They said his body was missing and they had seen angels who told them Jesus is alive. Some of our men ran out to see them, and sure enough, 
His body was gone, just as the women had said. So they're telling all this to Jesus. And at that point, Jesus basically had enough. Now, he, he wasn't angry. I don't think he was angry, but he was very direct to them. And he tells them, you foolish people. You foolish people. Why do you find it so hard to believe what the prophets said to you? Why do you find it so hard to believe what's prophesied in the scriptures? He said to them, wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things you're talking about before entering his glory? And then what Jesus did, he, he began as they walked along. Remember, this, this is a trip from Jerusalem to Emmaus, a distance of about seven miles. You're not going to walk that in just a few minutes. So as they continued to walk, he began to teach them and he took them through all the writings of Moses and then the prophets and then explained from, from the Old Testament scriptures the things concerning himself. So he brought them uh, along and he taught them. And at this point, they got near Emmaus, near their destination. So we know that he, he did a lot of teaching. And they finally got near their destination. And Jesus acted as if he was going to continue on the road. These men were going to Emmaus and they were going to stop. And he acted like he was going to keep walking and when the disciples noticed that, they, they said to him, No, 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 don't go, don't go on. It's late. It's getting dark. Why don't you stay with us tonight? In fact, the Bible says they begged him, Stay with us. We want you to stay with us tonight. Now, remember, Luke, the historian who, who wrote this story, tells us that Jesus only acted. He, he wanted to stay, but he was waiting for the invitation. If the invitation had to come, hadn't come, he would have gone on. But they invited him, and so he stayed with them. He went in uh, to where they stayed. Wherever it was they stayed, they went in together. And they sat down to eat. And when they sat down to eat, and it was time to eat, they sat down. Jesus took the bread. He blessed it. He broke it. And he gave it to them. And when he did that, their eyes were open. In fact, there were two amazing things that happened. One was that their eyes were open. They recognized him. And I don't know if it was because of the way he, he blessed the bread, the way he, he broke it, he gave it to them. He had uh, certainly done this previously with all the disciples. And maybe they had seen that and they, they recognized that. But whatever it was, they suddenly realized it's Jesus. And then something even more amazing happened. As soon as they recognized him, he disappeared. He just, he just disappeared. You know, he had just kind of showed up walking alongside of them when they were walking. And now he's just gone. Now, did they blink? Did they look at each other and say, was this just a dream? I don't know how they, they processed all that. But when they realized that the man who had been walking and talking with them was Jesus, who was supposedly dead, but turns out he's not dead anymore. Well, they were besides themselves with excitement. And so verse 32, look at verse 32. They said to each other, Didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? And within the hour, they were on their way back to Jerusalem. They had just, they had just walked a long way, seven miles walking. But within the hour, they're on their way back to Jerusalem. There they found the 11 disciples and the others who had gathered with them who said to them, The Lord has really risen. He appeared to Peter. They said that to the two disciples. Well, guess what? The two disciples said, Well, 
guess what? He appeared to us too. And then they, you know, they tore into their, their story. They began to tell the story uh, about how Jesus had appeared to them. And they're, they're giving them the details, telling the story. As they're telling the story, as they're telling their story, Jesus appears again. He just shows up right there in the midst of all the disciples that were gathered together. And I, and I was thinking about this. I wonder if Jesus waited until the disciples got to the part about how he disappeared and then he appears. I don't know. I don't know if that happened, but we know that while they were telling the story, he disappeared right there. And they were just filled with, with joy. You know, it's a great story. I love this story. Jesus showing up in the midst of sadness and confusion and them not recognize him. And then they recognize him and then he disappears and they walk back and then the disciples tell them, He's, he's alive. He appeared to Peter. And they said, no, he appeared to us too. And then they're telling the story and he shows up again. Like, wow, this is amazing. But the question is, what does it mean? What does it mean? Well, it means a lot of things. But I'm going to tell you two things that it means. And quite frankly, I drew several more things out. Just from studying this, this passage, I was able to draw. And, and, and as you read it, you can find several things yourself. That it means for us. But I'm just going to concentrate on two things right now. First of all. It means that. Easter. Turns our sadness into gladness. Easter is a big deal. Because it turns our sadness. Into gladness. In fact verse 17. Remember we read this. It tells us that there was sadness. Written across their faces. When Jesus asked them. Before they knew who he was. When he asked them. What is this you're talking about. As we walk along. And before they answered. Uh, Luke, the historian, says there was sadness written across their faces. And why not? I mean, they had put their trust in Jesus, but now he was dead. Now he was no longer with them. And there was great sadness. One of the versions, one of the translations, I think it's NIV, says that their faces were downcast. Downcast. You know, these words describe the way many people live today. For many people, their lives are characterized by sadness and by hopelessness, by despair. And quite frankly, it's heartbreaking to see how many people live in the grip of fear, in the grip of despair and, and sadness. But Jesus came to change all that. That's, that's what Easter is about. Jesus came to change all that. Because when the disciples realized that Jesus was not dead, that he was very much alive, Perhaps even before they understood what it meant, before they understood the implications of him being alive, their sadness immediately turned to gladness. And that's what God wants to do for all of us. You know, the psalmist David articulated this so well in Psalm 30, this change that God brings about in our lives. In Psalm 30, verse 11, he wrote this, You have turned my mourning into joyful dancing. You have taken away my clothes of mourning and clothed me with joy that I might sing praises to you and not be silent. Oh, Lord, my God, he wrote, I will give you thanks forever. But I love the way he he explains this. And certainly he'd gone through moments of mourning, moments of grief and sadness. But he says, you've turned my mourning into joyful dancing. You've taken away my clothes of mourning and you have clothed me with joy. What a contrast. 
I mean, would you rather feel like you're in mourning all your life and walk around like, oh, I'm really in pain, carrying burdens and feeling this, this despair, not being able to sleep at night because of, of the stress and the anxiety? Or would you rather dance with joy because, because God is alive, because Jesus is alive and He's made a difference in your heart and in your life? You know, I'd rather God affect that change in me that takes my sadness and turns it into gladness. So Easter means that our sadness is turned into gladness by Jesus. Another thing we see in the story is that Easter changes our desperation into expectation. Our desperation into expectation. The word desperation means a lack of hope that causes us to make rash decisions. A lack of hope that causes us to make rash decisions. How many of you have been there? Like you've, you've made a bad decision, you haven't thought it through, you made a, some kind of rash decision because you lost hope in something. Maybe you lost hope in a relationship, you thought, what's the use? And you go off and you do something really stupid that really hurts that relationship because you just lost hope. Or maybe uh, you lose hope in, in your finances, like I'll never get my finances in, under control. So you just forget it. You go off and you... Buy something you can't afford and get further into debt. You make a rash decision because of a lack of hope. And that leads to desperation. Now these two disciples had placed their hope in Jesus. In fact, in verse 21, they told Jesus, We had hoped He was a Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. We had hoped. But they had lost their hope. They had their hope. Placed in Jesus, but not because they thought he was dead. They had lost their hope. In fact, they had so given up, so totally given up on their hope and their, their dreams, that that's the reason they were leaving Jerusalem. Their life had been wrapped up around Jesus, who at that point was in Jerusalem. But when they killed him in Jerusalem, these two disciples said, that's it. We're out of here. And they, they left Jerusalem. They're walking toward Emmaus. They're going back to their old life. Before they met Jesus. They're going back to their, their old life that they had before Jesus came into their lives. Because they had given up hope. No, sure, they, they say this themselves. They had heard rumors. In fact, some of their own women, their own group, women from their own group, said they had seen Jesus. They, they told them, we saw Jesus. He's alive. But these two disciples were so hopeless and so desperate that they didn't even stick around to see if anything that the women had said was true. They didn't stick around to find out, oh yeah, we heard some women said, and these are not strangers, these are women that we know, and yeah, we trust them, but how can it be? So they didn't even stick around to see if those things were true. They were out of there in no time, and that's a true act of desperation. When you don't even, you're so, so, you've so lost your hope, you don't wait for anything else. You just go on out of desperation, make some rash decision. But Easter is a big deal because it turns our desperation into expectation. Because when Jesus revealed Himself to them, they immediately regained their hope. That's why they walked all the way back. Now, would you walk seven miles anywhere? None of us would, I don't think. Just walk. But if you did, would you turn around and walk seven miles back? Probably not. Right? Well, call somebody to give us a ride, call Uber, whomever. To come pick us up. But they walked all the way back. Because they had regained their hope. 
In fact, this, I believe this regaining of their hope actually started before they recognized who Jesus was. Because remember, they, they said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and as he explained the scriptures to us? Didn't our hearts burn within us? They we're talking about heartburn. No, they're talking about a, this is a good burning. This is a good thing. This is an excitement. This is an anticipation, an expectation that something good was going to happen because Jesus was alive. They regained their hope. Now, we all need hope in our lives. We all need to live with a sense of expectation that good things are going to happen. Because a life without hope is a life of desperation. I very frequently pray, when I pray for people, I pray for them not to lose their hope. When I pray for some of you, I pray for you as, as, as I see that you're going through, through trials, through struggles, through problems. And especially if you uh, write something to me on the communication card and I'll use that to pray. And one of the things that I pray, I ask for God to intervene. I ask for God to, make, to, to work a miracle. But I always pray, Lord, don't let them lose hope. Because when we lose hope, when we lose hope and we say, that's it then we have no way out. People take their own lives because they've lost hope. They don't see a way out of their situation. So I often pray, Lord, just don't let them lose hope. Let them realize that there's still a way out and you're going to provide that way out. Because I know that a life without hope is a life of desperation. Henry David Thoreau famously wrote these words, The mass of men lead lives of quiet desperation. Most men, most people, he's saying, lead lives of quiet desperation. Their desperation is right there, always on the surface. Sometimes it gets out of control, but sometimes it's just there. They can't enjoy life. They can't enjoy their family. They can't enjoy the good things because of this quiet desperation that comes as a result of a lack of hope. But it doesn't have to be that way because Easter changes everything. And in Christ, your desperation can be turned to expectation. Where you get up in the morning with hope, with expectation. This is going to be a good day. Yes, I've got bills and I've got problems and I've got health issues. But it's going to be a good day because God is in control and because Jesus is alive. Your hopelessness can be changed to hopefulness. So... This is a summary. Easter is a big deal because it turns our sadness into gladness and our desperation into expectation. This is true for every one of us today. Now, that's a great story. I love the story of the, these two disciples walking to Emmaus. I love that. But I was thinking, you know, it could have ended very differently. It could have ended very differently. What if these two disciples hadn't asked Jesus to stay with them? What if they had stopped and Jesus had acted as he was going on and they had said, oh, okay, well, nice talking to you. We'll see you later. What if that had happened? What if they had allowed him to continue on the way? Jesus would have gone on. He, he would have gone on because Jesus only enters into situations, into hearts, into lives where he's invited. He doesn't force himself into your life or somebody else's life or somebody else's situation. So he, he would have gone on if they hadn't invited him. But they did. And because they invited him, 
He changed their lives. Now, here's the deal. They were already, and they said this, they were already feeling something. Remember, they said, didn't our hearts burn within us while he was walking with us? So before they knew he was Jesus, they already felt something. And based on that, they told him, stay with us. So I'm saying to you today, if you're sitting there and you're feeling something, you're like, this is, this is making sense. This is connecting with me. Then do what those disciples did. Ask Jesus to stay with you. Ask Jesus to come into your life, to come into your heart. See, a lot of people get to the same place that these two disciples were. They feel something. They might go to a service, a church service, or, or somebody's talking to them about the Lord. Or maybe in a service like, like this one, there's worship, and, and they just feel something. I had a man tell me one time who visited our church, he said, man, every time I go, I just feel this tugging in my heart. And I was like, that's, that's God, that's the Holy Spirit. A lot of people feel that. They, you know, didn't our hearts burn within us? But then that's as far as it gets for them. They walk out unchanged because they didn't take the next step, which is to ask Jesus, stay with me. Come into my life. Come into my heart. That's why today I want to I invite you to ask Jesus into your heart and into your life. If you want to experience the change that Easter brings, if you want your sadness to turn to gladness and your desperation to be changed into expectation, Invite Jesus into your heart, into your life. That's what I want to encourage you to do. Because this story would have ended very differently for these disciples if they hadn't done that. They would have stayed in Emmaus, not knowing that Jesus was alive. Back in Jerusalem, the other disciples would have been rejoicing because he was going to show up there with them. They would have been left out. And I don't want you to, to be left out of what God wants to do in your life and in your heart. So... I want to invite you, ask Jesus into your heart today. As we end our time together, I'd like to lead you in a prayer. I'd like to lead you in a prayer. This prayer is simply to help you articulate what we all need. To help you invite Jesus into your heart and into your life. So that he can change you. Not just so you can check it off and say, yeah, I went to church. And yeah, I, I said a prayer. It's not the prayer that changes you. It's God who changes you when you invite him in. So we're inviting him in so he can change us. Not just change our sadness into gladness and our desperation into expectation, but to change all of our lives, to change everything, to bring joy and peace and to change our character. So today, if you've never done this before, if you're not sure that you've done this, then I'm going to invite you to pray with me. So would you bow your heads with me and would you close your eyes? Just say, Heavenly Father, I believe that, that you're our Father and I believe that Jesus is your Son whom you sent to this world to die for my sin. And I believe that Jesus died, but he rose again. And I believe he rose again because he wanted us to have and to know that same resurrection power. Father, today I come to you in the name of this risen Jesus to thank you for this opportunity that you give me to invite you into my life. Right now, Father, I ask that you would come. Right now, Jesus, I invite you to stay. Don't pass me by. I invite you to stay here with me. 
I invite you to come into my heart, come into my life, change me right now. Change my sadness into gladness and my desperation into expectation. I want to live a life not of quiet desperation, but a life of joyful dancing, a life of hope and expectation and anticipation of all the great things you want to do. If you prayed that prayer with me, I want to pray for you now. Father, I thank you for those that today said this prayer with all their hearts. Those that today said, Lord, come into my life. Come into my heart. Come into my life. Change me. Those who today have said to you, Jesus, I receive you into my life. Lord, I ask that you would receive them into your family, that you would receive them into your kingdom. I ask that you would change them. I know that today, and I believe that their hearts have been burning because I believe your Holy Spirit has been doing a work in all of us today. So for those that today, for the first time, said, I give my life to Jesus. Today, for those who for the first time said, I choose to be a follower of Jesus. No turning back. And for those who said today, I've just kind of lost my way, but I'm coming back to you, Lord. I'm coming back to you. I need you. I need you to change my life. I need you to change who I am. Lord, for them, I pray that you would just, that you would just strengthen that commitment that they've made. Because we know we have an enemy. There's a devil out there who will whisper in their ears and will say, that was just emotion. But God, we know it's true. We know that you changed lives because we're all here because you've changed our lives. So thank you, Father. Thank you for what you've done today. In Jesus' name.